Well, every year I try to set aside one Sunday, usually at the very beginning of a year, for us to look back in praise as to what God has done in the previous year and also look forward in faith to where God is leading in the year ahead. And after doing this for maybe 10 to 12 years, I've noticed a couple of things. First, there is no way I can possibly cram all of God's goodness and favor and answers for an entire year into one message on a Sunday morning. That's not going to happen. But I am going to give you a snapshot of what God has done at Sherwood in this last year. The second thing that I have noticed over the years is that God is faithful to direct his people when we're willing to listen. So years ago, I noticed that God would bring a specific concept into my mind, many times for months and months on end. And this particular idea, this thought, this concept, it would come in from different directions. I would be reading the word in my devotional time, and it seemed like that idea would pop off the pages of Scripture. Then I would spend time in prayer, and it seemed like God would just bring this idea randomly into my mind. I would be in conversations with people, and they would bring it up in conversation. They would send me an article, or somebody would share a book, and it was a major theme within that book. And I just began to notice that it was like God kept bringing the same message through multiple channels over and over again. And what I realized is that these breadcrumbs were not random. It was actually God answering my prayers. As a pastor, I'm constantly praying, God, give me wisdom to serve your church. God, where is your heart and how are we missing it? God, what are you directing your church to be about for this upcoming year? What are areas of weaknesses that maybe we don't see? What are needs that we could address now before it becomes a problem? I'm praying, God, give us wisdom six months in advance, one year in advance, five years in advance. God, help us to see what you're seeing. And what I began to realize is that when these concepts were coming to mind, God was answering those exact prayers. He was giving wisdom for his church. He was showing areas of weakness or need. He was directing our efforts so that we can be more effective for the kingdom. God will faithfully prepare us for what he has prepared for us. So this last year, there has been one concept, three words, that have been in my mind for at least eight to nine months. Again, everywhere I look, it's the same thing. They just keep popping up again and again. It's small, it's simple. In fact, when I share it with you, you might think that's no big deal. But in the landscape of God's mission, it is a big deal. So here's this one concept from this last year. Share his story. Share his story. Everywhere I keep looking in Scripture. It speaks of the power that comes to the testimony of God's people. I, I keep getting reminded in my time of prayer of the importance of believers sharing with each other. This is what God is doing in my life and how that is so crucially important if we are to have a gospel witness within the world. Everywhere I'm going, God is reminding me that God did not enter our story. Instead, we entered his and his story that began in eternity past is still unfolding in our lives individually. It's unfolding locally. It is unfolding globally. So for three weeks, we are going to study the story of God for the purpose 
of sharing his story. And hopefully these three weeks are going to lay a foundation for the rest of this year and for the rest of our lives. We're going to see how living the gospel allows us to be better storytellers. It gives us more connections back to this amazing story of God. We're going to see how God's story is not only about testimony and evangelism and the gospel, but it's also about stewardship. Did you all know that we have been entrusted with the gospel message? That is a stewardship component. You all have been entrusted with the the story of what God is doing in your lives. God has called us, according to Acts chapter 1, that we are to be witnesses of what we have seen, of what we have heard, and what we have personally experienced. There is a stewardship component behind the story of God. We're going to see how our personal testimony does not end with, and that's how God saved me. Your story continues with, and this is how God is at work in my life. Our testimony, it should include what God did and what God is doing. It speaks of where God found us and how God is leading us at this very day. It needs to be that those stories of God's faithfulness, of his activity, are being shared constantly because many times it's those stories that grab the attention of people who do not yet know Christ. The world is wondering, does following Jesus actually make a difference? And whenever they see a person who is pursuing Christ and they're saying, here's what God did in my life today. Here's what he just answered my prayer life last week. This is what God is doing in my marriage. This is what God is doing in my finances. It's the personal stories that help us to have gospel conversations with others. We're going to see how our personal testimony is not only what did God do, but also what is God doing. Here's why that is so important. God is still in the business of calling people to himself in salvation. He is still answering prayers. He is still setting addicts free. He is still healing people. He is still mending relationships. He is still giving people purpose where they had no purpose. He is still the father to the fatherless. And we have a world that needs to hear about those kind of stories. So by the time this year is over, I am praying we will be experts in answering one question. How are you experiencing God in your life today? How are you experiencing God in your life today? I pray that question is going to be a regular part of the conversation at Sherwood. Like you're going to show up in a connect group and somebody's going to say, how is God working in your life today? I pray that you're going to be bumping into people in the atrium and they're going to be asking you the exact same question. So tell me exactly how are you experiencing God in your life today? And when people ask that question, here's what I'm praying is going to take place. I'm praying our testimony is as fresh as a daisy. I'm praying our testimony is served hot out of an overflow of an intimate relationship with God. I'm praying that the moment somebody starts that question, we are excited to say, this is how God is at work in my prayer life. This is how God is working in my marriage and my family. This is how God is setting me free from fears and addiction. This is what God is doing in my finances and what he's teaching me about my character and how he's working in my kid's life. This is the opportunity he just gave me to be a witness for him. I'm praying when that moment comes, we will testify of the goodness of God and listen, and share his story. 
It's not our story. It's his story. Anything that is good about us is only good because of him. It's his story. So today we are going to focus on praise and thankfulness. If you've not picked up that theme in the worship set so far, you have not been paying attention to what's going on. There's been a lot of thankfulness and gratefulness and praise to God for this morning. And Lord willing, by the time this message is over, you will know why it is. Victory is ours. You'll know why it is that we are thanking and praising God. Over the next several weeks, we're going to get into stewarding his story. We're also going to talk about what it looks like to live out of an overflow of a relationship with God where we are captivated day by day by the activity of God. we got a lot to cover this morning. I invite you to go with me in your Bibles. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Here's what we're going to find in the next several weeks. The stories emerge in the mission. And the mission will catch fire through the stories. Both of them go hand in hand together. Here's what we find, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at all times for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be unbelievably clear in pointing all eyes back to you. This is a story about you. This is a story about your faithfulness. God, may we be so clear to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, is a very simple text, but it's got three key components to it. There is a prayer component, there's a thanksgiving component, there's also a ministry component. Three components, very clear. There's prayer, there's thanksgiving, and there's also ministry. The Apostle Paul encouraged believers to devote themselves to prayer and keep alert in it. That, that word alert, it speaks of vigilance, awareness, uh, even proactiveness within our prayers. Our prayers are not only to go up to God whenever we're at the end of our rope and whenever things are problematic and whenever we're in trouble. We need to be proactive in our prayer. We are to pray at all times, staying alert in it. Like watchmen on the wall, we are to be alert and vigilant with our prayers. On January the 1st, we talked about a biblical pattern of prayer from King David's life. And that pattern was prayer, answer, action, praise. Prayer, answer, action, praise. If you'll remember, we found that we are to start everything in prayer. We are to wait for God to answer. We are to obey what God tells us, and then we are to praise God for what he is doing. Prayer, answer, action, praise. Now we find that in verse number two, it tells us that those prayers are to be with an attitude of thanksgiving. There needs to be a gratefulness. There needs to be a joy. There needs to be a praise that is involved in how we come and bring our prayers before God. So many times our prayers are, God, give me. God, I need. God, I want. We need to also have a whole lot of, God, thank you. God, you are amazing. God, I praise you for what you have done. 
There needs to be an attitude of thanksgiving and gratefulness that is within our prayers. So we see that there's clearly a prayer part and a thanksgiving part, but there's also a ministry part. The Apostle Paul is asking them for them to pray specifically, and oh, I cannot encourage you enough, be specific in your prayers. Be specific. He, he prayed that they would ask God to open up a door for the word. He prayed that they would also ask God to allow him to speak the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel, of which he was currently imprisoned because of this. And then he also prayed that he would have clarity as he spoke. So put those pieces together. As they're praying about ministry, about what it is that they're to be about, he asked them, would you pray that God would give the right place for ministry and pray that he gives an opportunity to share the message, pray that he would also deal with the obstacles, pray that he would also bring clarity along the way. Specific prayers that are being prayed with ministry. Three key elements, prayer, thanksgiving, and ministry. Now, how does all of that apply to our context right now? Let me take you back on memory lane for a moment. In one of the first messages that I preached at Sherwood, and I've shared it a couple of times since then, God has been reminded me in my prayer time and my devotional time that my prayer life is woefully inadequate for the task that is before us. And I keep going back to God and saying, God, would you build in stronger areas of prayer, stronger disciplines of prayer? God has been gracious. There's been more and more that he's been building in. But listen, the further I've been sitting with God in prayer, the more he keeps reminding me of principles that he's been teaching me now for years. Here's one of the prayer principles God began to teach me years ago that keeps coming back to mind again and again. Here's what he keeps teaching. You can't change it, but you can pray about it, and I can change it. You can't change it, but you can pray about it, and I can change it. Let me tell you what that looks like in my life. When somebody has lost a loved one, and they're heartbroken, and they're crying, and, and you're looking at that person, and you want to try to take away that pain, there's nothing you can say in that moment that alleviates the pain of that person's heart. And God keeps whispering, you can't change it, but you can pray about it, and I can change it. Whenever people will come and they'll share their struggles with me, and I'll ask them, tell me about your time with God. And they'll say, I don't have time for God. I I'm too busy. This is going on. That's going on. And I say, you need to spend time with God in the word, time with God in prayer. It needs to be a regular habit of your life. And they say, I'm too busy at this point. I can't, I can't do that right now. And you keep seeing the way the enemy is just wrecking havoc in their life. And you're thinking, if that's not enough destruction to get their attention, I don't know what else to do. I can't do their quiet time for them. And all of a sudden, it's God, God says, you can't change it but you can pray about it and I can change it. Whenever God is blessed with a growing church, there's always a need for more volunteers to serve more people. But here's what you'll notice. If you go out and you try to guilt people into service, that creates resentment, that's not good. If you only look and say a handful of people are to do all the ministry, then people get burned out. And at the same time, if you don't do anything about that, then legitimate needs fall through the cracks. 
So you're seeing people coming, you're seeing needs coming in, and you bring those needs before God and say, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to say it the right way. I don't know how to do things in the right way so that people get on board with the vision you have. And here's what he says. You can't change it, but you can pray about it, and I can change it. I start to pray. And then all of a sudden, finances come up, and there's different needs and there's things that break and there's different opportunities that come up and you just start to pray and like God how are those financial needs going to be met and when it comes to reach in the community 70 percent of people within a five mile radius of Sherwood Church are not churched anywhere and you begin to look out at hurting churches and hurting pastors and you're begging God for revival and you're asking God to step in and intervene in relational disputes and you're just seeing problems and issues and here's what he keeps saying Paul you can't change it but you can pray about it, and I can change it. Listen, the intensity of God's call to prayer is only getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And when I read a passage like Colossians 4, and he said, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be vigilant in prayer. How could we do anything less than be vigilant in prayer? So here's the thing. As we have prayed in this last year, God has been so gracious to answer. I, I don't want us to let up for a moment on prayer, but I also want you to see a part of why it is we keep praying. So here is a snapshot of some of what God has done through Sherwood in 2022. As a church, we saw 209 people make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. 111 people were baptized. 138 new members joined. God blessed with a 16% increase in connect groups and a 16% increase in Sunday morning worship experience. Not only did God allow us to meet the budgeted needs, but he went above and beyond it by 10%, over 500,000 above and beyond the budgeted needs this last year. We saw more money come into missions than we anticipated. Almost $1.1 million was spent this last year on missions to get the gospel around the world. By God's grace, we exceeded our pledge goals for Meet the Need, enabling us to pay off another $1.2 million in debt. Additional designated funds came in to help us update 20-year-old parts of the building that needed to be updated and other projects along the way. God has immensely blessed just on a corporate church-wide level. But listen, those numbers are not only about what happens on Sunday morning. It is the culmination of what God is doing in individual lives and in individual ministries here at Sherwood. So please hear me on this. By God's grace in an answer to prayer. Did you hear that? By God's grace and an answer to prayer. None of this is bragging on us. Every bit of what I'm doing is saying, look at what God has done in response to prayer as his people are serving and being yielded to him. Listen to this. In 2022, our children's ministry saw 45 kids make a profession of faith in Christ. 35 were baptized. Yes, feel free to clap for what God is doing. Our fifth graders went on a mission trip to Ohio and led five children to faith in Christ in Ohio. 
The student ministry saw a 13% increase in Wednesday night attendance, over 200 students involved in Disciple Now, leading to 25 professions of faith and 11 baptisms in the student ministry. We were blessed, amen, amen. We were blessed to be able to build out the rest of the middle school worship space, enabling them to reach more kids. The student ministry right now is seeing a rise in student-led discipleship groups. Students are praying for each other. Students are studying the word of God together. And that's not only happening here, that's happening on campuses and in homes and in restaurants around the city. The young adults ministry saw a 30% increase in weekly worship attendance. They added two different weekday discipleship groups and saw two more young adults baptized. The Alpha Pregnancy Center provided services for 900 clients. Over 260 people were involved in classes through the Pregnancy Center. That is an all-time high, and they shared the gospel 348 times, seeing eight people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And there's more. God blessed the worship ministry with 22 new choir members. And boy, they're singing great. Amen. Had the opportunity to release a four-song EP, two brand-new singles, and the blessing of seeing 65 professions of faith at the Wonder Christmas concert. Sherwood Sports and Rec were blessed by, get this, 260 coaches and 71 volunteers who poured into 1,367 kids. They saw nine professions of faith in Christ, 32 baptisms. And get this, not only did they reach kids that don't go to church anywhere, they were able to serve kids from 91 other churches apart from Sherwood. That's kingdom investment that is happening. At the Hope Center, God allowed us to collect over 1,300 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child, build and deliver 12 bunk beds for children in the community, see two people baptized at the Hope Center, help four men transition off the streets into a Christian-based rehabilitation program. They delivered food. Listen, they delivered over 140,000 pounds of food to 1,682 families in the community, served over 900 meals to the homeless, enlisted 449 volunteers to engage the city, offered 13 life skill classes with 84 students in attendance. I got worn out just reading the statistics happening at the Hope Center. And there's more. Through the Albany Biblical Counseling Center, God blessed us to serve 717 people, helping them walk through addiction and grief and divorce and trauma and general life issues. That is ministry happening when you walk with people in the difficult moments. They saw a number of people come to faith in Christ, two more baptisms from there. The media department informed me that Sherwood's live stream service was watched in 81 countries in six continents around the world. To God be the glory for that. At SCA, God has continued to bless with increased enrollment. In addition to strong academic success, the students, they earned four state championships, varsity boys tennis, varsity girls track, varsity football, and one-act play. And get this, and they saw 24 professions of faith in Jesus Christ this last fall. 
Have I mentioned the fact that by the grace of God, we have seen people from Sherwood serve on mission trips in Kenya, New York City, Missouri, Puerto Rico, and Ohio. We were able to help two new church plants. The women's ministry got started again this year and had two incredibly successful events. We hosted the Christian Worldview Film Festival, saw two people come to faith in Christ, 17 baptisms, and it attracted almost 700 people, filmmakers and writers and producers from nine countries around the world. Okay. I'm going to need to have to go get a breather in after going through the stats. So here's what I want to do. If you have served in any of the ministries, if you've been a part of any of those ministries, if you've served in any of the ministries that I didn't even mention that are connected to Sherwood, if you have financially supported what God is doing through Sherwood, would you stand to your feet right now? Anyone who has served in, anyone who has financially ser- helped, anybody who has been a part of this, I want you to look around the room. Here's the thing. That is not a pastor who is able to go out and to do that. That is because the people of God are embracing the mission of God and you all are being used by God to change lives for eternity. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for investing your lives in people and in generations and what God is doing here and around the world. To God be the glory for what he's doing. Thank you for serving him. You may be seated. You may be seated. I cannot encourage you enough. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep thanking God for what he is doing. As long as there is breath in our bodies, and as long as Jesus tarries in coming back, there is work that needs to be done. We got work right here locally. There is work around the world. And just like Colossians 4, we are praying that God would open the doors We are praying that he gives us a chance to speak the mystery of Christ. We are praying for the obstacles that will be coming before us. And we are praying that God gives clarity. That God shows us where and when and how he would have us to serve. But here is the temptation. We can get so used to the activity of God that we presume upon the fact he will do it apart from prayer. We can get so excited about God doing things in and through us that we stop praying first and during and after. We can get so caught up in statistics and numbers that somehow we can begin to think that we are the ones doing it and we steal the glory back from God. All I can say is may that never be the case. May we begin in prayer and move forward in prayer and end in prayer. May the praise and the glory always be directed back to God. I've shared this many times before. Don't ever get used to the activity of God. It needs to be that when we see what God is doing, it should generate excitement. It should get us so over the moon excited thinking God is allowing us to get in on this He's allowing us to be used in order to change lives for eternity. As God continues to do the work, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Share his story. Share his story. Tell others what God is doing. What you'll find is current blessings, 
can be the greatest enemy of future faith. History shows that whenever people or churches get used to God's activity, they get to a place where they lose the wonder of watching the king at work. There's many churches that have been blessed with incredible success stories, and yet somehow along the way they take more joy in what God did to the point that they stop asking God for what he will do in the future. This year, I am praying that we would pursue God harder, faster, more passionately, more devotedly than we've ever done in our lives. I am praying and I'm asking you to join me in prayer that in this year, we would be able to see more people awakened by the gospel to a life of knowing Christ and making him known. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to, to pray this year that if you don't yet know what your spiritual gift is, that this would be the year you find out and you would use that gift in service for others. I'm praying that you would join with others who are, who are praying and interceding, that God would use this church to be able to minister to and to reach and to make an impact not only here but also around the world. As people were coming in, there's another thing that we're asking your prayer on. That is, you were handed this little pamphlet about meet the need. I, I want to take just a few moments and go through that. This is a part of what allows us to be able to see those types of numbers and hear what God is doing on that level. If you've been a part of Sherwood for a period of time, then you've probably gone through a meet the need presentation multiple times in the past. If you're new to Sherwood, here it is in about three minutes or so. Meet the need is basically a, an, an initiative that began back in 2012. It was a $26.5 million initiative. This was one that was coming through one-year giving campaigns and matching campaigns. There were five missional endeavors that were a part of this. There was support that was going to SCA, to the Hope Center, as well as right here to Sherwood. This is giving that is above and beyond the tithe. One of the parts that happened in this is that there was a part of the vision that Michael Catt shared of going out and planting a church in each of the different sin cities around North America. If you're not familiar with what a sin city is, that is a term that was designated by the North American Mission Board in order to talk about large, primarily unchurched metropolitan cities in North America. 83% of the population of North America lives in these major sin cities. If we are to be about reaching our country, we have to be about planting healthy, strong, disciple-making churches in each of these different cities. So over the years, we have seen that there's been two and sometimes three or so church plants that would come out as far as supporting right here from Sherwood. Praise the Lord. There was 28 different sin cities that we were engaging with. And this year we finished the 28. And we also got a couple more that are over in Israel that we've been able to help support over there. So this year there's going to be two different church plants that we are supporting. One of those is Redemption Church up in Portland, Oregon. That is Pastor Virgil Brown. Also, it's Storyline Church in St. Louis, Missouri. That is with Pastor Josh Wilson. Each of these two different church planting families and their churches have been vetted by the North American Mission Board. They have been vetted by our team right here. And we understand that they not only have a heart for making disciples, they have a heart for the kingdom, but there's also a strong network of different supporters and different churches that are there to help them effectively serve in the communities that they're a part of. 
Also, you'll know that a part of our Meet the Need campaign over the years has been about servicing the debt, that $26.5 million that started back in 2012. Well, with that, back in 2016, it was then reduced down to $14 million, which was refinanced on a 20-year term. And praise God, as of right now, it is down to $6.2 million. That is over $20 million down in the last 10 years. Praise God for that. So this is my prayer. My prayer is we'll be completely debt-free by 2025. That's my prayer. Listen, I can pray however I want to pray, amen? Hey, here's my thing. Could you imagine what happens when there's an additional million dollars a year that goes out to engage the kingdom of God and church planting and missions around the world? Can you imagine what type of an impact that can look like? I'm, I'm praying, God, would you allow the debt to be eliminated so that the kingdom can be expanded even further? In the last several years, we have seen that we have put up a goal of a million dollars, and God has blessed us to be able to see more than that come in. This year, we are asking that their goal be 1.1 million. I praise God that because of the fact that people have been so faithful in giving, it's allowed us to be able to go out and to engage in things that we might not have an opportunity to engage in otherwise. So here's where those funds are going. That's a part of the reason why I share those other stats with you at the beginning. I want you to know that when you give, there is an accountability with that. We want to let you know this is what God is doing. This is how those dollars are being stretched in order to impact the kingdom. So as the resources continue to come in, that'll help fund two new church plants. It'll continue to give us the resources we need in starting our church planting, apprenticing, residency program right now. If you might have noticed at the corner right over here across the street from the church, there's been one of the houses that the church has that has been getting renovated. That is going to be the first of the houses that we're going to bring in different church planters and their families for a residency program. We have another one that we're going to be starting this year so that we have a place for people to come and to stay. We're also working through and piloting some of the new curriculum, connecting with mission groups and seminaries to make sure we can get some of the strongest church planting families to be a part of this. Our goal in 2023 is to raise another $1.1 million in order to not only engage those pieces, but also what God is doing here in the city and around the world. So, how can you be involved in that? Here's what we're asking. Would you prayerfully ask God what he would have you and your family to do? You all know if you've been a part of the church for a while, we don't have strong-arm techniques on this. In fact, you'll find that many times you'll hear about it for the first couple of weeks to let people know what's going on, and you might not hear about it for another several months. We're not going to go through and beat people to death with a, a campaign. Here, here's the thing. If people want to be involved in what God's doing, we want to give an opportunity for that. But here it is. Although people have resources, God is our source. God is more than capable of being able to provide. We want to give people an opportunity to get in on that. So we're asking if you would, prayerfully seek God's heart. and Just say, God, what would you have myself or my family to do for this upcoming year. There's going to be a first fruits offering that will take place on the 29th. That is, we're just going to have a time. People come in, they'll turn in their cards, and just that will be the beginning of that. And it will start again in next year unless 
God decides to pay it off in 2023, then uh, we'll, we'll come back again. But here's the, I'm okay if God decides to pay it off in 2023, okay? So here's what we're going to do to finish out the service this morning. You have heard a lot of what God has done in this last year. And I am asking you to prayerfully, prayerfully join with us in seeking God's heart for this year ahead. If we are fervent in our prayers, if we work together and say, God, we want what you want, there's no question in my mind that we're going to come to the end of 2023 and we're going to be amazed at what God has done. Would you join me in that kind of prayer? As it says in Colossians 4, would you devote yourself to that type of prayer? I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your heads for just a moment. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to have the worship team make their way back to the front. There's going to be some of our pastors who will be standing down front. As we are beginning the first part of this brand new series of sharing his story, and today the focus was just on speaking his praise Telling people what God has done is a part of sharing that story. I'm going to encourage you that you would seek God's heart and say, how can you use me this year to be about sharing your story with those that I work with, those that are in my family, those who are neighbors and friends of mine? Ask God how he would have you to be involved. We're going to have a word of prayer. The invitation time will be open. It might be that you're brand new into Sherwood today. Today might be the first time you've ever stepped foot in this building. And if that's the case, all I can say is today could be one of the best days for you to be here. Because a lot of times you could be in a church for months and even years at a time and not know what the heartbeat of the church is and what God's doing in that church and how you can be involved. You heard all that this morning. It might be that... You need somebody to pray for you today. Might be that you've been walking through some things and you're saying, Paul, I've been devoting myself to prayer, but I need others to join with me. If that's the case, there's pastors, pastors' wives, and counselors who are here that they would love to be able to pray with you. However God is working in your heart, I'm just going to ask you to respond to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you were doing. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We recognize that you do not have to use us. You do not have to move the way that you have been moving in this place. But Lord, we are grateful and we are thankful. And as best we know how, we, we point all eyes back towards you and say, thank you for what you have done. God, may you use us in order to impact eternity for the sake of the gospel. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? The invitation time is open.